This podcast is made possible by Host Analytics and U.S. Bank. Hello, this is Nick Vandegrift, CFO of MS Companies, and you are listening to the CFO Thought Leader Podcast. This is episode 316. when there are issues, uh, you know, when there are litigations, um, but we shouldn't wait. Meet the clients as early as possible. If you want to have a good feedback about your organization, uh, I think there's uh, no one better position than a, than a client that's going to give you a feedback on your, on your sales force, on your positioning, obviously on your competitors. But also, you know, that we can give you a good favor on, on the quality of your delivery organization. From Middle Market Media, this is CFO Thought Leader, where we speak to finance leaders about driving change within their organizations. Hi, it's Jack Sweeney. On today's show, we speak to Vincent Monnier, CFO of Ecova, a supplier of energy sustainability solutions. Vincent has spent part of his career in China, Europe, the United Kingdom, and now the state of Washington. Among other areas Vincent is today passionate about is green finance, where company valuations are becoming linked to corporate behaviors and how corporate disclosure concerning environmental impact is likely to evolve. Vincent shares his views after these words from our sponsor. It's no secret finance professionals are dealing with some pretty complex problems these days. Now more than ever, they need tools that can help them streamline complex workflows and focus on bigger strategic issues. By bringing your finance organization together on a single cloud platform, Host Analytics automates everyday processes that would otherwise slow you down. By streamlining your planning, modeling, consolidation, reporting, and analytics, Host helps you connect your organization so you can react more quickly to changing conditions and make better business decisions to optimize performance. Let Host Analytics be your partner in leading the evolution of your business. Um, that I'm very proud of because uh, that gave me a lot of 
early opportunities, uh, you know, to grow professionally, uh, but also personally. Um, I would say also that um, uh, I came to this position uh, thanks to, um, you know, a finance talent program that I entered nine years ago uh, at NG Group. I was 28 at that time, and the group, you know, took a bet on me uh, and trained me for two years on very different finance functions like internal control, SPNA, treasury, financial communication, and that really reinforced my technical skills and, you know, prepared me uh, for taking uh, this CFO position. Uh, last but not least, I think that's very important for, for any CFO, uh, is I spent uh, almost four years doing uh, merger and acquisition activities. Uh, I also took my CFA uh, in 2012, and I think that really prepared me uh, to take, you know, a strategic view, a forward-looking view on the business, uh, rather than only like, uh, you know, an historical and static view uh, of the business. So I think all these, you know, experiences, going abroad, being trained, and also this M&A experience really prepared me uh, for this CFO job. You said they took a bet on you. What was it that you were doing that you think uh, made you worthy of a bet? Sure. So at that time, uh, NG Group uh, decided to create a, a talent program called the Financial Boarding. And that was an investment that, uh, that meant that every year uh, they were selecting seven to eight people uh, with a very specific profile. Uh, so the profile was someone with already five to six years working experience, uh, with uh, international exposure, uh, being able to speak several languages and, you know, with a background uh, in finance, uh, but not, you know, a complete, uh, a, a complete uh, education on finance. The idea was really to, to train this specific population uh, very quickly and to give them uh, opportunities very early in their careers. Um, so, so that was very interesting in a way because for two years, uh, I got three different jobs, three different assignments in very different businesses, and I was challenged, tested, but at the same time, I received all the training and all the tools to succeed. And I think that was very unique about this program because that's a true investment, right? And, and then that gives you the confidence that you can get uh, the bigger job as a CFO. And where were you living during that program? So uh, it, it's a great question because I was living in France, after spending four years in China. But most of my colleagues in the same program had the opportunity uh, to, um, you know, to do the assignment abroad. Uh, so not only we were asked to change uh, our department to go to different business units, but the, the request was also to change countries to get the international exposure. In my case, I got a lot of international exposure uh, before entering this program, so I was able to stay in France. Uh, for the two-year uh, program. And, and can I just ask about your the M&A work you were involved in? Was sure. that uh, Did that involve China at all or other parts of the globe, or was that mostly in Europe or the U.S.? Where was yes. that? Yes, so uh, the, the M&A experience was really uh, all over the world. Uh, obviously, when I entered uh, the NG group with my Chinese experience, uh, I took over uh, all the Chinese projects, so I had opportunities to uh, to work on projects in Tianjin, in Chongqing, 
for example, but also work on projects in North America, in Canada. Uh, during summer 2012, I work on a major uh, acquisition uh, in, the, yeah, in the west part of the Canada. I work also in the Middle East uh, and a lot of projects in France and in Europe. So it was really like all over the world uh, to look at you know, different acquisition opportunities. My last uh, acquisition project actually that I work on in 2013 was an acquisition in the UK. Uh, and then that's why I got a job after as a deputy CFO of NG UK. Uh, that was in the company that uh, on which I work in the acquisition project. So for our listeners, I just want to mention uh, that NG is, of course, a multinational utility company based in France. And Ecova is an NG company. It today has over 1,400 employees. It's a U.S.-based company, and it grew clearly. Uh, very quickly, and the greater demand there was for finance talent allowed Engie to open up opportunities uh, for its more seasoned uh, executives like you s- yourself. And so you arrive at Ekova, and, and what is the type of job you want to create for yourself? Yes, so Ekova was, uh, was a major investment uh, by Engie Group in summer 2014, and when I took my role, uh, I was very interested in the context of ECOVA. You know, post-acquisition context is always very challenging, especially for the management, especially you know, for all the, uh, the changes uh, that the company is experimenting. Uh, and that's something I had a bit of experience, and I wanted to bring uh, you know, the value of you know, the NG, the group knowledge, uh, into this new company. Uh, number two, I would say that I was, I was really intrigued by uh, the activity of ECOVA, and maybe we're going to talk a bit more after about uh, you know, why ECOVA is so unique uh, in, what, uh, in what we do. Uh, but I was really intrigued about the digital positioning uh, of ECOVA in the, uh, in the energy space. Uh, the type of role I wanted to create uh, in this context was one, um, I really wanted to reestablish leadership and cohesion within the different departments of finance, you know, really work uh, on the engagement and the team spirit, solidarity of the team, because you can imagine that after such, uh, you know, a big acquisition, after, you know, the integration of such company, uh, teams are moving and leaderships are not very stable. And I wanted to reestablish that. Number two, uh, I wanted to create a role with, uh, you know, the right balance between a very strong financial discipline, but also with a very strong uh, business support, business partnering. Uh, and I think that always, as a CFO, a balance that we need to strike be- between, you know, uh, this rigor, this, you know, these controls uh, and, and this discipline, but at the same time being very, uh, you know, supportive uh, for the business. The last thing that is very important to me is also a role that focus on innovation and new business models. We have so much value to bring in finance uh, when we talk about you know, new ideas, new business models, and that's really something I, w- I wanted to focus in my role. Okay, so let's find out uh, something about ECOVA and the services that it currently offers. What, what exactly are its products and offerings today? Um, so the way to look at ECOVA is, is really a company of, like 1,500 passionate people, you know, always looking to drive innovation and tangible value for our clients. 
and we do it by managing their energy consumption, but also, you know, on leading on their water, waste, carbon uh, programs. And we've been doing it for 20 years. Uh, what is really unique about ECOVA is how we do it. Um, and the way we do it is first by collecting so much data, so much intelligence uh, on the you know, energy profile of our clients. And we do it uh, using data from very you know, different sources, like the monthly utility bills. In Spokane, we are processing 1.3 million uh, bills every month. We also collect data uh, from your interval meter data directly from utilities or directly from building management systems uh, of our clients. Um, I think ECOVA has probably the largest energy database in the US. We cover more than 25% of Fortune 500 companies. Uh, and you know, with all this data that we also combine with other sources of data, like weather data, localization data, building information, with all this quantity of data, we're able to gain so much insight into our clients' energy profile to drive so many analytics. Uh, and we have very talented people uh, who are able to take this insight and then translate that into advice for our clients to reduce their energy consumption, save costs, reduce their waste volume or carbon footprint. Uh, a few of the actions that our clients take after gaining this insight is you know, as simple as, you know, benchmarking sites. Uh, you know, if you think of uh, a 7-Eleven uh, or Starbucks, there are thousands of sites, and that's very valuable for them to benchmark the performance of each site. But it can be also actions in terms of, you know, uh, implementing a new renewable project or renegotiate a supply contract or installing, you know, new devices to monitor uh, the energy consumption of a building. So you know, all of all of these actions, uh, starting from data, uh, really drive uh, significant savings for our clients, and this saving, you know, is a key performance indicator in our business. And just to give you an idea, uh, last year alone, we generated more than 600 million savings uh, for our clients. So this is what Ecova uh, is doing, and that's really what is you know very exciting right now. And if I may, uh, Jack, say a last word on what, why it's unique uh, to work in this industry right now is, is what we call, you know, the energy revolution. Uh, and this energy revolution is, you know, is telling you that uh, we are living in a world where energy sources will be more and more decarbonized, decentralized, more and more digital, more and more deregulated. And this energy revolution is really unfolding right now, before our eyes. There are so many innovations, so many new technologies that are transforming the way that energy is delivered to our, to our clients. And since you know, the Paris Agreement, COP21, uh, we've seen so many initiatives coming from businesses, coming from corporate leaders, but also cities, states, policymakers to really take advantage of this energy revolution. So that's why it's so exciting to work in this industry right now. Curious now, how old a company is Ecova? 20 years. Okay. So we, we just, just celebrated our anniversary uh, March uh, this year. And if we were to turn back the clock 20 years, clearly uh, the data and the digital tools that you probably use today 
uh, weren't available or they have certainly matured in the last 10. I, I, mm. I, I'm getting at, I think you're, you're probably, you have a much more sophisticated offering today for your customers. You're perfectly right. Uh, I mean, I, I think, you know, the way uh, Ecovac grew over the years is, is first, you know, we started as, uh, you know, a bill-paid company. Uh, I, you know, we were proposing a service to our clients to process on their behalf their, you know, their bills about, you know, power, gas, and then, you know, we, we expanded our offer around waste, water, and now carbon. Uh, and then, you know, with this amount of data, we became more and more sophisticated. And what, what is very interesting in your question is when you talk about technology around data, because we've seen over the past uh, 10 years and even more so over the past five years, uh, so much technological revolution uh, in this space. And the technology that we used uh, 10 years ago uh, is today completely obsolete. Uh, and, and that's why, um, you know, we, we just started a major uh, transformation program in ECOVA for the next three years where we're investing uh, hundreds of millions of dollars into our technology, uh, you know, into cloud-based technology, into developing new solutions uh, so that we can really take advantage of this new technology. And this is, you know, transforming the company but also transforming finance because when you talk about this new technology, you also talk about new methodology, new ways of developing software. So, for example, in ECOVA, we are adopting the Agile methodology. Uh, and this Agile methodology, uh, you know, is not completely uh, adapted to the way finance is working today. We're not talking about the same time horizon. Uh, so we have to adjust uh, to, this, uh, to, this, to this new world. But, but that's fascinating. Well, let's find out what are, the, what are the key metrics that you rely on to reveal how ECOVAS is doing today? Well, um, you know, I'm, a, I'm an old-school uh, young CFO in this, uh, in this space because uh, I'm basically looking at, uh, you know, revenue, profit, and cash uh, indicators. Uh, I'm particularly focusing these days on, you know, pipeline, new client acquisitions, uh, bookings and losses, and, you know, the net dynamic effect of, uh, of the two. Uh, we also, I'm also looking a lot at, uh, you know, the efficiency and backlogs KPIs. Uh, as I told you, we are processing close to 1.3 million bills uh, a month. Uh, so we have to make sure we're always on pace uh, and that the productivity uh, is, uh, you know, is according to, the, to our targets. And I'm looking also a lot at various treasury indicators. Uh, just to give you an idea, we are, uh, we are managing uh, close to $20 billion of uh, transaction, and that's my treasury team of about you know, 30 finance professionals uh, managing that every day. So we, we're looking at these key indicators. And, and last, uh, again, uh, the savings indicator for our clients is a big one, too, that I'm tracking closely. Oh, the savings indicator of your clients. And just to, exactly. just to understand, so you're watching closely – uh, the types of companies that are accruing the greatest savings from your offerings. Um, am I right about that, or how would you exactly, that? Exactly, exactly, exactly. So, so when I talk about savings, I talk about the savings we generate uh, for our clients. 
so, so this is you know the 600 million year that uh, I mentioned uh, previously. So who within uh, the customer organization is often uh, involved in the decision making around Ekava's uh, offerings, whether they uh, want to leverage them or not? Yeah, so it really depends uh, on the companies and you know and the size of the companies. But you're perfectly right that uh, most of the time, uh, especially in big companies, CSOs are directly involved uh, in you know in this discussion when we talk about energy and sustainability strategy. Um, when I was looking uh, last time about you know a Deloitte survey that shows that 43% of CSOs. Uh, you know, declare that you know they are leading the energy and sustainability strategy of their company, and it makes perfect sense. Uh, and I would say at least for for four reasons. Um, the first reason is, um, you know, when you talk about energy and sustainability, um, you know, you, and when you're CFO of a listed company, uh, it's really important to understand how investors and shareholders. Uh, are looking at you know, these factors that we often, you know, we often talk about the ESG factors or the environmental factors, and how they look into these factors and how that impacts you know, the equity valuation or the perception of their companies. And CFOs are usually at the, at the forefront of this discussion. So it makes perfect sense for the CFO to take the lead uh, on this discussion because you know investors and shareholders are looking at that uh, very closely. Number two. Uh, CFOs are usually impacted uh, in their own organization uh, big time by the evolution around uh, this energy and sustainability uh, strategy. Uh, when you look at the regulation, for example, there are more and more regulations coming around financial disclosures. Um, so when you look at the financial disclosures related to climate change risk, uh, you see many initiatives uh, asking uh, companies to disclose uh, this kind of risk. We had uh, the latest report of the, you know, the G20 uh, Task Force for Climate Change-Related Disclosures that is really you know, uh, pushing companies to put in the financial filings you know, this climate change risk, but also uh, to show some you know, scenario planning uh, and you know, really disclosing more and more risk related to the environment. There are also accounting considerations. Uh, that could impact uh, the finance organization uh, because of the scenario planning. When you think of impairment uh, tests, uh, that will have to be done in sync with, uh, with the scenario um, uh, analysis. Um, number three, I would say that uh, there are a lot of initiatives that will really impact uh, the finance organization. When you think of, for example, carbon tax, uh, we have already some states. Uh, applying carbon tax. You have some companies applying internal carbon pricing uh, to their organization to redirect investment to you know, clean technologies. Uh, so it makes perfect sense for, you know, for the finance organization uh, to lead on this initi initiative. Um, last but certainly not least, uh, you know, when you talk about energy and sustainability, you talk about significant risks but also significant opportunities. Uh, because there are a lot of cost savings, uh, a lot of you know um, uh, opportunities, uh, but better understanding your you know your energy cost fluctuation and mitigate uh, some risk uh, for your business. Uh, so 
get that uh, energy cost is on average the third cost center uh, for companies in the U.S. Uh, so that's usually a significant cost center. So how does your world, the finance uh, functions world, and, and uh, the data ambitions of this company sort of intersect each other? Yes, yeah, so um, maybe I can talk first about our clients, uh, because the first thing that we propose to our clients to be able to manage their energy data is to outsource their accounts payable function uh, just on energy because this is where you know, we can bring a lot of value by dealing with the complexity uh, of this AP function uh, related to energy. How do they uh, react to that? I'm sorry, I, I find yeah. that really interesting that you ask sure. them to do this. How do they react? So uh, when you think of you know, the complexity of utility bills and the lack of attention that most of the companies have on these utility bills, they react, you know, there's a lot of value uh, for these companies to get uh, a company like Ecova manage on their behalf these bills because, you know, we receive all these bills uh, in, uh, in our offices uh, through different ways, and we capture not only the finance information uh, on the bills, but we capture all the energy information, you know, price formula, uh, you know, last balance, uh, you know, we we can capture all the changes on the utility bills. And, and that's something very complex. When you think of the US, you have more than 25,000 utilities. You receive maybe a bill every month, but you receive it for every single site. You receive it for every single utility, you know, gas, power, waste, water, and you receive it on very different dates. So most of the time, uh, you know, the AP function of our clients, you know, is not able to manage this complexity, and is not managing it at all. So they, they're not able to gain all these insights that we have in ECOVA then to act on this data. Does it make sense? Yes. Uh, yes, it does. Uh, I, I'm just so I, I'm questioning whether a CFO would say, wait a minute, you're going to be, we're going to outsource this to you? I mean, do they feel like it's confidential in some way? Or? Yes, some, uh, some obviously want to keep it uh, for themselves, and, and we have different level of services, uh, for example, on Treasury. So Treasury uh, services is another type of complexity. Uh, so if you take, again, uh, a situation of a, a major company receiving thousands of invoices on several utilities for thousands of sites, um, you know, uh, processing payments for all these invoices it's quite complex. Uh, what we propose as services to consolidate these invoices so that companies, uh, you know, instead of having thousands uh, of transfers, have only two or three a month, right? Um, so usually the reaction is very positive because, you know, not only we, we bring, uh, you know, new insight into the AP data that they didn't have before, right? But we also able to identify very quickly some savings uh, just by looking at the data and by benchmarking across their sites or, you know, across uh, different indicators. We'd like to always ask for a, a finance strategic moment. Uh, it could be, a, could be an opportunity that was that you were able to see or it might have been a risk that uh, you're able to avoid uh, or, or help keep in check. Um, what comes to mind when I ask for a uh, a strategic moment that you may have had? 
um, you know, uh, I had, I mean, I was very lucky uh, to get, uh, you know, to get a lot of training and uh, to, to meet a lot of, you know, uh, inspiring leaders and mentors uh, to prepare me for this uh, CFO job. But there's something that nobody told me is how important it is to meet clients, even if, you know, you're the CFO. I would say, you know, meeting clients is maybe the most important thing that, um, that you should focus on. Uh, and, you know, the haha moment for me happened six or seven months after I took my CFO position. That was during, um, you know, a conference that ECOVA organized uh, in Chicago in October last year. Uh, and, you know, I found myself, uh, you know, trapped uh, between, you know, our clients and our, you know, uh, ECOVA people, um, you know, debating about, uh, you know, energy uh, matters, about solutions that uh, finance should bring to the table. So, so for example, our clients uh, were asking me to advise them how to convince their own CFOs uh, you know, to, to sign off on, um, you know, on a new project. Uh, and I really felt that at that time that, you know, as a CFO, especially because our clients are usually also, uh, you know, other CFOs of companies, I had a key role to play. Um, and I never imagined myself as responsible of selling, you know, our company's products. But in my case, I found that was completely wrong, and uh, and I think that was really my haha moment when I realized how much value I could bring here uh, to you know to my own organization, but also to our clients by bridging the gap between you know our energy efficiency project and you know the financing of it, uh, or you know or just the presentation um, of the profitability of our, of our project. What I wanted to ask you really is in terms of developing finance talent today, you're aware of your own experiences, but when you think of the team that you're going to need going forward, what are the skills that you're really looking to develop there? Are you still looking for CPAs? Are you looking for, uh, you know, people with other sets of skills now? When you think of your, and I'm speaking of the finance team and the type of people you think you'll need going forward, what... What are the types of skills you're looking for? Uh, I think um, what I'm always looking at in the, uh, in the finance team is really the diversity. Uh, and what I mean by diversity is diversity of experience, of educational background. Um, for example, um, I found that people with an engineering background moving then to finance later in their career is very, very valuable. Uh, and that's something very useful uh, in the current in, in the current context. So, obviously, I'm you know I'm depending on the world, uh, you know, people with you know CPAs, CFAs, uh, you know, or other qualifications are, are always very very valuable. But but I think in the future we need more and more diversity in the finance team, uh, and that's why I really value uh, people with different backgrounds, different education. Uh, and also global experiences. Um, you know, when you think of it, especially uh, in the activity of ECOVA, our clients are global, uh, solutions are global. So I think it's important uh, to get you know, among the skills uh, in the financing uh, some global exposure. 
Listen, what's one thing that's exciting you about finance and business today? Well, uh, I think as you understood, I'm very, I'm very excited about what I would call the greening of, of finance. You know, what we call sustainable finance or responsible or impact finance. Uh, I think that that's an area that is extremely dynamic, uh, especially in the current environment where uh, there is a growing awareness about you know the environmental impact uh, of, of businesses, um, and I see so many. Uh, so many exciting opportunities uh, in this area. Um, I mean, I could, take, I could talk for hours about that, right? Uh, but if you look just at the investing, uh, at the investment world, uh, there are so many initiatives to integrate what we call ESG factors into investment portfolio uh, strategies. Um, there are so many research papers around that uh, that really try to, um, you know, link the valuation of companies with their behaviors, with the underlying uh, thought that, you know, doing well financially uh, go, goes hand in hand with, uh, you know, doing good, doing good for the planet, doing good for the environment, doing good for your employees. Um, and, and that's something that, uh, that is very exciting to see. Uh, in the financing uh, space, you can see a lot of, uh, you know, uh, initiative, for example, if you look at the green bond market, that's a market that doubled in 2016, that's going to double again in 2017, uh, and that's something very, very exciting to see. Um, I'm also closely uh, watching everything going on in terms of regulation. Uh, as I mentioned, the, um, you know, the disclosure um, uh, space is very dynamic, uh, especially in the U.S., um, you know, the, uh, the U.S. is Securities and Exchange Commission is, is looking at, you know, uh, making these disclosures related to environment, uh, environmental impact uh, evolve, uh, and that's something that uh, I'm very, uh, I'm very interested in. What do you wish someone had told you at the start of your CFO career? Uh, meet the client. Meet the client as early as possible. If you want to have a good feedback about your organization. Uh, I think there is uh, no one better position than a standard client that's going to give you a feedback on your on your sales force, on your positioning, obviously on your competitors, but also you know that will give you a good flavor on on the quality of your delivery organization, uh, and, and that's something uh, very valuable. Most of the time, CFOs are called uh, you know to meet clients when there are issues. Uh, you know, when there are litigations, um, but we shouldn't wait for that uh, to meet clients. And especially in the activity of Ecova, where CFOs are also clients uh, of our services and products, you know, it's very, very valuable to meet, um, to meet clients here. Is there a personal habit you have that you believe has contributed to your professional success? Um, I think... I didn't take my summer French vacation over the past 10 years, and, that's <laughs> and I think that's half a job because, uh, you know, French people usually take uh, three, four weeks during summer vacation, uh, and I haven't done that, uh, I think, over the past 10 years, and that gave me a lot of opportunities to work on, you know, many, many projects. A lot of these are closed during summer, 
uh, and when I think back, um, you know, because I was a very burgeoning swimmer, I've got a lot of opportunity uh, to work on uh, on great projects. So yeah, I think that hard work and no vacation during summer are my <laughs> key success factors. Is there a book you'd recommend to aspiring finance leaders? There is a book uh, I read uh, recently that uh, that is called Clean Disruption of Energy and Transportation uh, by Tony Siba, um, which is a great book about you know the future of energy and transportation, and uh, and you know this author is predicting that by 2030, less less than 15 years. You know, uh, Silicon Valley is going to make oil, nuclear, natural gas, coal, electric utilities, and cars completely obsolete. Uh, so that's, that's really a fun book. And, and you know, for, for finance leaders, I would particularly recommend the chapter two that, that deals a lot with finance with the key idea that, you know, business model innovation are equally important. Uh, as technological innovations, and and this book gives a lot of examples uh, that are very very interesting. Thought leader listeners, don't go anywhere. We're going to ask Vincent for his twelve month finance leader priorities right after these words from our sponsor. You want smart, clear, and honest guidance to help you meet the financial goals of your middle market business. With U.S. Bank, you have a partner who will help you find the right solutions to help your organization reduce payment costs, enhance control, improve cash flow, and expand your spend visibility. U.S. Bank's dedication to making ethical decisions and doing the right thing is at the heart of what they do, and their efforts haven't gone unnoticed. They've been named a 2017 World's Most Ethical Company for the third consecutive year by the Ethisphere Institute. To learn more, visit uspayment.com slash middle market. Okay, our final question. What are your priorities as a finance leader over the next 12 months? Um, so first, uh, to close the year, right? That's in the next uh, in the next five months and a half. So that's uh, you know the immediate priority. We, we have to make objectives and you know, a lot of CFOs are focused on that. Uh, but I would say that the top, top priority that I have right now is top line growth, revenue growth, market share. Uh, and, you know, ECOVA has just started a massive three-year transformation program with significant investment into, uh, you know, cloud-based technology, new solution. And my main focus is really to know, to go through this transition, this transformation, as quickly and prudently as possible, as safely as possible, uh, in terms of cost, execution risk, retention of key talents, that's very important, and also change management, and also new client products. In our business, you know, the time to market is, is essential. Um, and I was mentioning that before, but the, the adoption of this agile methodology across the whole organization is something uh, very exciting, for example. Um, the, the other priorities I have that are more specific to finance uh, are new back office systems implementation, 
so we are changing our ERP system, we are implementing a new uh, purchasing system, a P2P system, uh, we are looking at a new billing solution also, uh, and we are about to complete a new uh, you know, uh, in-house developed treasury system. So the, you know, the main objective is to go through all these transformations, all these transitions, while you know, keeping good progress on the business and while retaining and developing talent in the market. Vincent Monnier, thank you for joining us on CFO Thought Leader. Thank you for having me. It's Jack Sweeney with a quick note that CFO Thought Leader now has a quarterly print magazine. That's right, print. Each issue will profile 25 different CFOs. Let me repeat that, 25 CFOs. Other uh, print publications are lucky if they're able to bring you five CFOs per issue. What we understand is that you want to consume content in multiple ways. But wait a minute, there's something more here. We wanted this print magazine to be a podcast companion. So when you receive it, we want you to quickly thumb through it and maybe identify which episodes you have missed. We want you to dog ear those pages, as well as uh, perhaps the pages that feature CFOs from episodes you already listened to but found maybe a little extra value from. 12 months later, you will have a library of 100 CFO profiles highlighted with your insights or comments alongside the CFO thought leaders. Now, how much are we charging for this one-of-a-kind 100 CFO profile library? Annual subscriptions are $119. We think that's reasonable. We thought about it a little bit, but that's, that's what we came up with. Uh, visit us and subscribe to CFO Thought Leader magazine at cfothoughtleader.com, where the future of finance is listening.